For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Wounded Warrior Project is working to foster the most successful generation of veterans in our nation's history. One of the ways they do that is through adaptive sports. Veterans are some of the most resilient people on the planet. It's not about what you can't do after experiencing injury or illness. It's about tapping into what you can do. Learn more about how Wounded Warrior Project's adaptive sports programs are changing lives at www.woundedwarriorproject.org sports. This show is brought to you by K Jewelers. Listen up, NFL fans. K just dropped a collection of officially licensed NFL jewelry. Shop your favorite team in the True Fans Fine Jewelry Collection at k.com slash truefans. Gear up for the season and celebrate the love of the game with K. It's about to go. Yes. This is the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast, where we talk history of the game numbers and stats. And each week we highlight a charity that's doing good. If you haven't subscribed yet, then you should, because I'm this, 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 this the, the real deal. And you know I gotta shout out the Buffalo Bills. Turn it up to the max, sit back and relax. This the Buffalo Nerd Sports Podcast. And what is up, Bills Mafia? Welcome into another episode of the uh, Buffalo Nerd. This is your home of Buffalo Bills coverage with a charity on top, right? We do it a little bit different here. If it's your first time listening, thanks for being here. You're absolutely appreciated. Uh, If you've been following the journey the whole time, I love you too. Thanks for being here as well. You guys are going to really enjoy the show today. I got a really fun guest. We're going to talk about two powerhouses in the AFC right now, uh, the Baltimore Ravens and our Buffalo Bills. So I've got Kevin Ostriker on. Uh, he's actually the Lockdown Ravens podcast. So he does a daily podcast covering the Ravens. So I'm going to guess he's got a little bit of knowledge on what we might need to hear. He's also a writer at Ravens Wire, and he uh, does a lot of their stuff over there, too. So, Kevin, before uh, we get too deep into this and I tell everything about you, um, why don't you go ahead and uh, just introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I, I am Kevin Allstriker. I host and produce Locked on Ravens. Ravens content five days a week, so... It's a lot of Ravens talk. I pretty much dream about the Ravens now. You know, it's constantly there in my mind. But hey, this is a good football team. So, you know, I enjoy it definitely. And also, yeah, I, I run Ravens Wire. So I'm the managing editor over there. I do their work, uh, you know, anywhere from, you know, uh, three to four articles a day. Obviously, as the season picks up, you know, the content starts picking up as well. So I do this stuff over there. And yes, yeah, it's it's been such a fun ride covering this team. I know for you. Buffalo is starting to get there as well. I know that these two quarterbacks, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, we're going to talk about them a lot here on the show. But yeah, I'm excited to talk some football with you here today. Yeah, man, I'm absolutely stoked to have you because like you mentioned, we I think we both feel we have good football teams. Um, I have uh, respect for your team. I think uh, we're starting to get more respect on our side for being there for consecutive years because you guys have been there for multiple years now. This isn't just since Lamar's been there. You guys were there prior to this where you're always in the playoffs. So it is new for us. Um, but before we get into all that, like we always like to do uh, every week is we do highlight a, a charity or an organization that's doing something cool. And like every week, uh, 
the guest gets to choose that. So this week, uh, we took it to the Raven's house. And uh, when Kevin told me about this charity, I went and checked it out and it is awesome. So Kevin, uh, before uh, you know, I talk too much about it or kind of say what I learned about it, why don't you go ahead and um, kind of tell the folks what charity you chose and why you chose them? Yeah, so I ended up choosing the Bradley and Nikki Bozeman Foundation. Bradley Bozeman, now the Ravens Center, and his wife, Nikki, both run this foundation. They do amazing stuff in the community. It actually started up at the University of Alabama, where both attended, and they they really focused on anti-bullying and getting the message out there, trying to do different social causes surrounding, you know, bullying and, and just how it's wrong, going to different schools, doing different seminars there, and just strengthening communities in general. But they kind of took on a different side of things when the pandemic hit. They started to get into getting food out there to people and some food shortages that started to kind of happen during the pandemic and stuff that happens outside of pandemics as well. But providing meals for families, for children, for seniors, and They've done a great job at, you know, not only the stuff they did at Alabama, but also kind of embracing the Baltimore community and going out and doing stuff for a community that is, you know, certain areas are definitely in need here in Baltimore. So I I am in such awe of what they're doing. I'm in such admiration of what they're doing as well. And just, you know, when you when you said to pick a charity, I wanted to keep it Ravens related. And luckily, there are so many you know, Ravens players who do so much in the Baltimore community and have embraced the community as their own. And Bradley and Nikki Bozeman, I think both have done that tremendously. And, you know, they've done so many good things already. I don't anticipate that to stop. And just, you know, people who are facing challenges right now living in Baltimore City and other areas throughout the city as well, they've put together some great initiatives, some great programs and events, and I'm excited to see what they do. But I definitely wanted to to put a spotlight on them because they've been doing a lot of really nice and, and a lot of hard work as well. And I, I am proud of what they've been doing in this community. Yeah, I mean, when I read this story, I mean, like you mentioned, it started at Alabama. I mean, these were a couple of college kids that decided to start doing this, and now they've moved to their new home, and they're just continuing it, which is incredibly awesome. I mean, it's like the coolest thing possible to have two folks that were athletes at a very high level, right? I mean, they both played at Alabama, which I think most people, she played basketball, he obviously played football. Um, But, you know, I think most people see that as a very good school. So it's cool to have folks like that that are going out there in the community and letting people know that, you know, there's things that they were bullied, right? They say it in their story that they, in fact, were bullied, right? And that's why they do this stuff. So it's very awesome. The more I read it, I was like, this is very cool. Uh, It's uh, The coolest part of it is really that they just carried it on. I mean, these were young kids that we're just like, you know what, we need to do this. And I, I think that's what we we tend to not have enough of in our communities and stuff like that. So it's very cool to see people from going from wherever they came from to Alabama. Now they're in Baltimore and they're just loving that community. We know Lamar's got his foundation as well. You know, obviously Bill's Mafia's helped out in that, you know, atmosphere already. So very cool. Like we always do, we'll have the links and everything for you guys to shoot right over to their organization and check them out. Um, it's cool stuff, easy to donate to. Very awesome program. Absolutely love it. So thanks for bringing it up, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, this is a cause that's very close to their hearts as well. You mentioned it in their story. So it's a good thing to see them actually going out there in a community, not only in Alabama, but also in Baltimore. So I'm I'm glad I was able to put some spotlight on it. Yeah, man. Awesome. So let's get the fun going now (laughs) because we're going to only chat for a little bit of time here. We could probably spend days talking about how these two teams are probably going to be competing for at least the next five to seven years in my eyes, as long as Lamar and Josh are healthy. I mean, I think that's going to be a duo we're going to see for a while. And that's kind of 
where I wanted to start. The Ravens offense is, it, it tends to get hit hard with Lamar can't throw the football. He can't do these things, right? That kind of stuff. If you look at the wide receiver room, it hasn't been great, right? Um, how do you feel they did this offseason as far as, do you think the team got maybe better offensively? Are they the same? Is it really Lamar? Or I, I kind of feel it's the wide receiver room a little bit as well. But where do you stand on that? Yeah, I definitely think they got better. I think obviously the wide receivers are the main thing that people look at. And I think it honestly started with them not being able to bring in, for example, T.Y. Hilton or Juju Smith-Schuster. And the stories came out about, oh, Baltimore offered this deal, but they end up going back to their home team. And that got them a lot of negative press in terms of, oh, no one wants to come to Baltimore. No one wants to play with Lamar Jackson. But at the end of the day, I mean, the Ravens, what their approach seems to be is they want to draft that true number one receiver. Marquise Brown, I think, is a phenomenal football player, but I think he is a high-end wide receiver too. And that's not a, that's not a slight to him whatsoever, but in his role, he is a very good football player. But for example, they draft Rashad Bateman with that 27th overall pick, a player who honestly, I mean, everything considered, because I don't think they were ever going to trade up for a Jamar Chase or a Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle. Bateman, for me, was the best value on the board with his skill set. This was the guy I wanted for them. And they end up getting him at 27, which most people, you know, maybe they thought it was Tennessee or Cleveland or Indianapolis who was going to snag him in the early 20s. That was a great move. They bring in Sammy Watkins, who, you know, sure, is, is no T.Y. Hilton, no no Juju Smith-Schuster, but can play a role for them in that veteran role. Also, you know, he can be referred to as week one Sammy Watkins because he just he just goes off during the first game. The Ravens is a team, I think, I can't remember the exact number right now, but it's something like, 149 to 19 or some ridiculous crazy number like that and they have outscored their opponents in their last four preseason games or in their last four regular season week one openers so and that's not even that's in the preseason they're 17 no in the pre they're on a 17 game winning streak in the preseason but the wide receiver room in general they have marquise brown as i mentioned they also have miles boykin who they draft in the third round of that draft he is not panned out as people have hoped Devin Duvernay was taken in the third round of 2020 James Frochet the sixth round of 2020 and then two more Bateman and Tylen Wallace who was taken in the in the fourth round I believe or it was it might have been the fifth one of the two but they have a lot of young receivers and then it's Sammy Watkins they potentially could have gotten Julio Jones but it seems like they want to trust their young guys and I think they should because I think the duo of Bateman and Brown could be the one two for years to come but I also think it goes beyond the wide receivers and it's the offensive line as well, because that, that offensive line in the Buffalo game was not, was not great. Lamar Jackson was, was running for his life, and he ended up sustaining a concussion because his center couldn't snap the football properly, and he has to run and chase the football, and he ends up getting tackled and hits his head pretty hard and gets out of the game that way. So what do they do? They have to trade away Orlando Brown Jr. because of his whole situation, but they're getting Ronnie Stanley back. And they brought in Kevin Zeitler, who I think is a very solid veteran guard. That's a three-year deal they brought him in for. Ben Cleveland, who was a really big guy coming out of Georgia. He's coming in there probably to be the starting left guard. They, they're moving Bradley Bozeman, who we just talked about the center, which he played in Alabama. So now they have all the pieces, not to mention Alejandro Villanueva, the former Steeler tackle. So that group is a lot more veteran now, a lot more experienced along with some guys who are a bit young, like Cleveland and Bozeman himself. But at the end of the day, 
if Lamar Jackson doesn't have the time to throw the football, he's probably not making accurate passes. So you have to protect your quarterback first and then worry about the weapons second, in my opinion. I think they did both this offseason. They brought in the protection. They brought in the weapons. And everything combined, I think this offense will be a lot better throwing the football. We, we know what they can do running. They're, they're going to be a great running team. And they shouldn't go away from that just because – you know, Lamar Jackson should throw the football more does not mean that they're going to move away from their identity. They will throw the football more. At least I think they will in 2021. But again, that doesn't mean that you know, they're going to all of a sudden become this air raid offense or anything. You play to the strengths of your star players. And that includes Lamar Jackson's strength as a passer, which I think a lot of people do underrate and, and kind of throw under the rug to kind of you know, please their own narratives, which is unfortunate because what you have is a good player who does need to improve in some areas of his passing game, but can be a deadly passer when he has the time and the weapons. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's how it is for any NFL quarterback, right? Is realistically is if your offensive line is no good at giving you even the three seconds that you might need to make a good throw, you're in a bad spot to start. Yeah. So I, I agree with a lot of that stuff. Uh, I like Bateman a lot. I agree with that a ton. I think that he's a nice piece to the puzzle. I was looking that at, at that earlier before we came on that Sammy is the elder statesman in the <laughs> wide receiver room by a few years. He's like three years older than uh, most of the other guys in that room. And I've heard very good things about the Wallace kid, actually, that he's he's got a lot of potential to be a really good football player. So to me, the offense is not really the side of the ball that I think this offseason kind of had any issues. Defensively, I feel like there was some big pieces that went away that maybe is Baltimore's defense going to potentially be as good as it is because I do believe that the offense will, it, it shouldn't change. I agree with that 100%. Even if more teams start to stop it, you still, that's the best you can do and keep doing it until you can do something different, you know, or keep wrinkling out of it or try different things, right? But I agree 100%. You don't, don't try to change that up. And I don't think Greg Roman is going to do that either. I mean, that's, that's just not his style, right? He doesn't air the ball out. That's never going to be his thing. But defensively, I felt like this offseason, and that's why we kind of touched on this a little before we got into it. We'll get into what the division's going to look like. And I, threw some fire on this thing before we even got started by telling you I wasn't going to select your team. But part of it is because I think the defense took a little bit of a hit. Am I wrong? I love the cornerbacks. I love what's going on there. But your defensive ends, I feel like you lost two of the best in football potentially. And like, where where do you see it? Yeah, it the the defense is going to be a balance in terms of the actual question of will this defense be better in 2021? It's going to depend because you, you you mentioned it. The Ravens lost some pieces, especially at the edge position. Matthew Judon, Yannick Ngakwe, Jihad Ward. Now, in terms of total sack production, you, you look at the three combined, it's 12 total sacks throughout their time last year in Baltimore. But they only had 39 as a team. So, you know, you're looking at just under a third of the production from your sack guys. And Judon led the team with six. So you're losing your sack leader, Ngakwe, who it, it felt like was like just a hair away from eight sacks on the year, but, but the quarterback gets the ball out quickly or he misses. And then Ward, who was a nice rotational piece, they don't really do a lot to address it outside of the draft, though. They re-signed Tyus Bowser. Great move. I think he's a great piece for them. Pernell McPhee, same thing. They re-signed him as well. But for me, the draft was the big part for them, and they addressed it there. They got Adafi Owe and Dalen Hayes. Adafi Owe was a first-round pick. Dalen Hayes was a fifth-round selection. Now, these guys have the potential to be really good in the future and not saying they can't contribute now, but they are more project players. Adafi Owe hasn't played football for that long. I believe he's only been playing for like five or so years. So he's still learning the game right now, and that's fine. It was rumored, and you know, speaking of Buffalo, 
that the Ravens were looking at either Owe or Rousseau and hoping that either one of Adafi Owe or Greg Rousseau fell to them at 31. Now Buffalo takes Greg Rousseau, and so that leaves the Ravens with Owe. And both players, you know, super high ceilings, really, really high ceilings, but they are a bit raw at the moment. So what does that leave you with? You know, you have to have players in front of those guys who, you know, if they if they have to learn a little bit more in their first year, in their second year, they can pick up the slack while a guy like Oe or Rousseau learns. And for the Ravens, is that going to be Tyus Bowser, who is now their number one edge rusher? Is it going to be Jalen Ferguson, who has struggled ever? You know, he broke Terrell Suggs' sack record at, at the FBS level, and he hasn't really panned out four and a half sacks in two years so far. So there's been a lot of clamoring for Justin Houston in Baltimore. The recent Chandler Jones uh, rumor has kind of spread to Baltimore, and a lot of people are saying, hey, let's go get Chandler Jones. And, you know, how much of a pipe dream that is at this point, who knows. But a lot of people are feeling a little bit wary of what the pass rush situation looks like right now because Tyus Bowser, great in coverage. And Adafi Owe, great disruptor, can set the edge, and it's just an overall, you know, he wreaks havoc. But where does the pass rush production come from, especially when considering that Owe did not have a sack in 2020? Now, he did a lot more than that. Obviously, there's a lot more that goes into being an edge rusher. But if you look at what they have is, is edge setters and dropping back into coverage of the position, it seems like the missing piece for them is that pure pass rusher guy. Houston could be that for them. Olivier Vernon is still on the market if they want to go that route, or maybe it's just a trade midseason. But for right now, the defense is going to rely on some guys taking big leaps, including Bowser and Ferguson, also Patrick Queen, who had an up and down year at inside linebacker, led the team in tackles, got over a hundred of them, but still, you know, the, the COVID offseason definitely didn't help some of these rookies. And for Queen, he has said that it took him about five weeks to get into game shape. And, for example, to Sean Elliott, the Ravens cut Earl Thomas with like two weeks to go before the season starts last year. And they're deciding to bring a strong safety, a young strong safety, and put him in a starting job for a full 16 games. So can those guys take a leap? And not, they're not going to contribute to the edge position. But if they contribute in their own positions, it'll kind of soften the load of the guys like Bowser and like Ferguson. And in turn, I think that will help the pass rush and help those younger guys develop a lot quicker. So to answer your question, I think the Ravens defense does have the potential to be better, but it does really depend on the pass rush because if you can't get to the quarterback and you give the quarterback three, four, five seconds to throw, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. Someone's going to get open somehow or the pocket's going to collapse and the quarterback will take off. So there's a lot of moving pieces right now, but I am confident they can be better with the right pieces stepping up at the pass rush position. Yeah, I mean, for me, the best part of the defense is the back end anyway, um, which allows for your front to figure it out. Right. Like, because these guys can cover longer than a lot of these other guys can in the league. You know, they can hold the ground for three, four seconds to give guys those extra few seconds to try to get there, which is huge. So that, that's interesting here. And I like, it's good to hear like somebody that really follows it and where they plug and play, right? Because it's not necessarily always about this year. I mean, yes, you want pieces to work this year, and it'd be great if they just came in and did awesome, but this is a long-term sport, right? Like, they're, they're not just building redrafts, right? This right. is, we're building dynasties here, right? So, <laughs> very cool. So, real quick, with everything you've said, who wins the division for you guys right now? Oh, man, see, this is so close. And I know your answer. I know your answer. But for me, I my prediction is it's going to be Baltimore by some crazy tiebreaker. I think both Baltimore and Cleveland finish at 13 and four. Like it's literally neck and neck. Um, I don't see a situation. I mean, maybe if like crazy injuries happen, I think Baltimore and Cleveland will split with each other. I just think they're too talented not to. And 
the week 14 last year that the Lamar Jackson cramp game was one of the best games of the season. And you have Baltimore traveling again to Cleveland to play them in week 14 once again. So, you know, two teams, Cleveland did a great job. You know, I said before the 2020 year, you know, watch out for Cleveland. You know, they have the guys, the fancy, they have the guy in Barry. Now they built a good roster and people wrote them off because I was the same old Browns, you know, that that's, that's been the thing. And yeah, you know, you got to prove it. I remember the, all the hype a couple of years ago after the Browns got Odell Beckham and then they, they just can't put it together. So what you have now are two talented teams. I think Cincinnati's a, a couple of years away at this point. So it's going to be Baltimore and it's going to be Cleveland. I think Baltimore wins the division by literally like conference tiebreaker. You know, it'll probably be the same division head to head. Maybe the Ravens will have a game up there, but you know, right now for me, I think it's Baltimore by just a hair. No, I, and I like that too, because it, for me, it is a toss up the way that I'm choosing it too. I, I, I do think Cleveland will take it this year. And it's mostly because I do believe they finally have got their defense right or they've gotten the back end of their defenses in much better shape than it's ever been in. So they can just continue to do what they're doing and hopefully sure that up a little bit. I think that, and I also like the idea of eventually the possibility of having like a battle for Lake Erie between Cleveland <laughs> and Buffalo, like for the AFC championship or something, because nobody in their right mind would have thought that was even a possibility even three years ago. Right. right. You know, so, but I do, I do agree. It's going to, you guys are a good football team. You're going to be right there in the mix of the AFC again. I think we talked about that offline a little bit. You've got a big four. Your big four basically matched up with my big four in Kansas City, Buffalo, Baltimore, Cleveland. Outside looking in is right there is Tennessee, Indianapolis. I think the AFC is stacked. I mean, I, I don't, this division is considerably better than the NFC in my eyes right now by a landslide, but I want to get your opinion a little bit on the other team that we're going to talk about, and that's the Buffalo Bills, right? Because you've got to say nice things about your team. And so <laughs> now I want to see if you want to say nice things about my team or if you have some negative things to say, which are perfectly fine either way. But where do you think the Bills offense is this offseason? Because we didn't really do much. I mean, we brought we got lost John Brown. You bring in Emmanuel Sanders. Personally, for me, that was a little bit of an upgrade, um, just in some different aspects, not speed and those types of things. But I do believe he's a better route runner. But what do you think of the Bills offense? Is it... Um, just as good as last year? Do you think it's going to be as competitive as it was? A dip? What do you need to see? Yeah, I mean, I think overall the, the offense will probably stay at the high level that it was at last year. And I think that's a good thing if you're a Buffalo fan or if you're the Bills. I know a lot of people, the narrative surrounding Josh Allen was, oh, he got digs. That's why he's good now. And, you know, I understand what having a number one wide receiver does for a young quarterback. That should be the case. But Allen made some strides himself. And I you know I've, I've heard the same stuff with Lamar Jackson and, you know, for, for Allen, he got digs and for Murray, he got Hopkins, for example. But now what you have in Buffalo, I, I do agree. I liked the Emmanuel Sanders signing a lot. I think that was an upgrade and he was a guy who I wanted in Baltimore actually. So congratulations to, to Buffalo on that. But you know, the offense is well-balanced and I know obviously you would like a little bit more out of the run game. I like Devin Singletary a lot. Um, you know, how is he going to perform? Is Zach Moss the guy? I know there have been some mixed reviews there. Is, is he, is he not? But if you can get a little more production out of the run game and whether that does mean running the football more or just increased efficiency, I don't know yet. Obviously you would like the increased efficiency because you have Allen playing at a very high level and he's a threat on the ground himself. He's a dual threat quarterback himself and does a very good job at that. So Look, there's nothing negative for me to say about the Bills. You know, the game that they played against Baltimore in the playoffs, you know, 
what they did there, they deserve that win. You know, there wasn't any like weird call or cheap play. You know, that that was a fair and square. Hey, Buffalo was the better team. And they didn't really have to do a ton in the offseason, in my opinion. I think they have the pieces there. They're going to be challengers this year, though. I agree. The AFC is stacked. Baltimore went out and they did what they needed to do. In Kansas City, they revamped their offensive line. In Cleveland, you mentioned their secondary. And, you know, I think those are the top four that we see right now. But the other teams you mentioned were kind of in the hunt almost. So if Buffalo can just build and continue to improve, that's what I've been preaching with the Ravens is, you know, in 2018, they had the wild card loss to the Chargers. In 2019, they had the divisional round loss to Tennessee that was disappointing. 2020, they had the divisional round loss to Buffalo, but they won a playoff game. So can they now increase upon that and continue to get better, whether it is record-wise in the regular season, whether it is efficiency-wise, stats-wise, or whether it's playoff success-wise? So for Buffalo, is that a Super Bowl? You know, there's a lot to go into it, but I think Buffalo's offense stayed the same, but I think that's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I didn't, uh, this team is the best it's been in a very long time. It's been uh, very nice to be able to go into this offseason with no expectations in the draft because you didn't necessarily think that anybody was going to be like the reason the team would win or lose this year. Um, you know, it'd be nice if there was some good things to come out of it. But I agree with that. The assessment is this is a team right now that, yes, the Super Bowl would be phenomenal. Everybody wants a Super Bowl. Who doesn't? You know, that's the goal. Obviously, we all start the season to win a Super Bowl. But for me, I, I view it as I want to be in the hunt at least, right? So this is to me, you are building a team that is going to be in the playoffs every year because if you're not in the playoffs, you don't get a chance to be the king anyway, right? So you've got to get there. And to me, that's, it's, I want wins now and I want to see great things happen right now because that's awesome. But I do agree that this is long-term. The Buffalo Bills need to just continually be a 10-win football team at the minimum year in and year out for me to be a happy fan moving forward. Because yes, we'll get a Super Bowl, I think, at some point in time. And we'll be hopefully in a bunch of championship games. But the one Achilles heel from last year, you mentioned it, was the run a little bit. I think that can be addressed, like I mentioned, like you mentioned it. I think it's actually just a, a little more efficiency would be the better route. I don't think we necessarily need to run more. I just think we need to get more when we are running. So I agree with that. But the other side of the ball... Our defensive line has struggled for a couple of seasons now. Um, we definitely were not 2019 Bills defense compared to what we were last year. It took us a long time to get going last season. We kind of did the same thing with our offense, our defensive line this year was we went young. We said, let's try to find young guys. But unlike kind of Baltimore, we do have Jerry Hughes. We do have older guys there kind of showing them. Does, does anything that Buffalo did defensively this offseason, like, be like, oh man, we're we're going to have even more of a hard time with them? Or do you just think what they did in the defense is going to be good enough? Like Baltimore's just kind of good football teams right now have, and they have good defenses. Sean McDermott's a good defensive coach. Harbaugh's a good defensive coach. Is that how it is? Do you think the Bills can stack up and be another good defense? Or did you need to see something this offseason? No, I, I don't think I necessarily need to, to see anything specific this offseason. I mean, honestly, what I look at it is every team has a weakness or two. And for Baltimore, they have theirs. For Buffalo, you know, it probably the run game and, and the defensive line were those weaknesses last season. But you mentioned it a bit earlier is, you know, the secondary, you want to have that good, the good back half. And I mean, Buffalo is one of the best safety tandems in the league with Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Obviously, Trey White, you know, you can't go wrong with Trey White on the field. And you have a bunch of other pieces in there. Levi Wallace, you know, they, they have a bunch of corners who I think can come in and contribute at a very high level for not just this year, but 
I mean, future use. You set yourself up well in the secondary. You can go out there and address a weakness over multiple off seasons or multiple seasons. So you mentioned it, like you want to have the 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 production now. You know, you don't want to have to wait because right now is like the window. It's when Lamar Jackson's still on his rookie deal. Josh Allen is still on his rookie deal. You know, we're kind of waiting for those extensions to kick in. What are they going to look like? We don't know yet. But when that happens, you start as a team at least to have a little bit less flexibility to sign the veterans at positional weaknesses and you have to go young. And it seems like the Bills did do that, you know, with with Greg Rousseau. They have guys like Jerry Hughes to kind of coach him up. You mentioned that. But what's his production going to be this year? How much playing time is he going to get this year? And it might not be as much as many would have hoped with a more developed person, but you reap the benefits of those in the future when the timeline is, all right, now we're really in the prime to go win some Super Bowls. Because still, these guys are in their fourth year, at least the quarterbacks are, with with Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen. Both guys have time to improve. And so if you put a defense around a young quarterback like that who can generate turnovers, you know, they don't necessarily have to do everything at an elite level. But if you can at least get the ball back for your quarterback, who you know can, can go out there and score some points on any given drive, I think that's all that matters. So I wasn't expecting anything you know, huge from Buffalo in the offseason defensively, especially because they made it so far. You don't want to just blow that all up after coming so close. And you know you have the formula. It's just a piece here or a piece there that can really make it work. So I still think that Buffalo can have a much improved start to the year. I know the start was not great last year so if they can start a little faster I think it'll help them not only just you know throughout the whole regular season but it'll get them to where they need to be faster for the playoffs which you know with Buffalo's slow start they kind of had to work their way up there and by the time the playoffs happened and everything went down there the defense played well in some circumstances but in others they struggled so I think Buffalo's defense has the pieces they added I think what they needed in some areas and there's still a few holes, but I think overall the, their defense will be fine. And I think they'll start off better this year. I like it. Those are all good things for us. So I mean, <laughs> way to go. Excellent job. You know, so uh, before we uh, get ready to close out of this thing. So uh, did the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East again in your eyes? Or do you, do you think what Miami's doing down there is turning into enough? Do you think New England bounces back? What do you think? I, I think I think this is still Buffalo's division to lose. Um, obviously, you can never count out Bill Belichick in, in that Patriots team. I know you know you know that more than I do, but th- they are a team that I, I think their quarterback situation is fine. I mean, you have Newton, you have Jones. I just don't see it out there. Matthew Judon is now there in Baltimore and in, in, or in Buffalo, and they made every addition under the sun. It seemed like they added like thirty new players, so they'll have to have all those guys gel. In Miami, it's all going to depend on Tua, the defense, obviously, the the, the secondary with Xavier Howard. If if Xavier Howard stays and Byron Jones, they added Javon Holland in that draft. They're doing some good things down there in Miami. I think they will be competitive, but it, it it's kind of like an increased Bengals situation, in my opinion, where like they will be there and they'll be there sooner than Cincinnati will. But I think they might need another year. And Tua is a full time starter. I mean, you you go back to man, I believe it was Oakland or. It might have been Las Vegas. I can't remember. I almost called him Oakland. But in that game, Tua got benched. And I think Fitzpatrick came in and led them to a win. So it's it's moments like those where it's like Tua isn't getting the job done against a team like Las Vegas. You have to bring in Fitzpatrick, who now is in Washington. So it's it's kind of like the Tua show now. They might need a year to, to get some stuff situated with him. The Jets, I think, are a team that, again, can be there. Is Wilson the guy? I think they made some solid additions in the offseason, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be a huge 
threat this year. So I think it's Buffalo's division to lose unless some crazy thing happens. I think Buffalo will still come out on top in the AFC East. Yeah, I mean, for me, Tua is, he's the complete question mark for Miami. I mean, if he can throw the ball to the outside in the NFL, then they might be okay. But right now he hasn't shown that to me. So I, I do see they have a very good football team being built down there. Ryan Flores, I think, is a great football coach. So I do like that. If Howard somehow ends up out of there this season, though, that is going to be incredible. Like, I, what are they thinking? Like, but I hope it happens just because, <laughs> but, and I agree the Jets, they, I said all before the draft, they should have traded the pick. They needed more than the quarterback. Um, but you know, that's all right. We'll see. I mean, I'm okay with two wins every year, as long as they want to keep doing that kind of stuff. Right. So I'm cool with that, but I agree. I mean, I think Buffalo does have it's unless something tragic happens. I think we got the best roster right now in the division. And I do think new England will push, but I think it is still going to be our division. So who's your AFC champion then? Oh, that's so tough. Um, you know, I've I've always been of the mindset, you know, I was so, so convinced over the last couple of years that Baltimore finally had what it took to get over the hump against Kansas City, and they haven't proven that to me yet. I think I think this is the year. I'm predicting them to win it this year. But, you know, in the playoffs, getting to that AFC championship game, again, kind of like what you talked about, everybody wants a Super Bowl. That's what everybody wants right now, and so many people are on that Super Bowl or bus train to me. That's not it for Baltimore, and I don't even think it's it for, for Buffalo, but regardless, I think this is a year where the Ravens make the AFC Championship. I think they, again, improve, but I still have to give it to Kansas City. They've proven their dominance. They went out there and they addressed their offensive line with literally, it seems like, like five pro bowlers. I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, they get Orlando Brown Jr., you know, Joe Tooney. They draft Freed Humphrey, who was a dream for many Ravens fans. Their defense is still... A bit of a question mark, but with Tyron Matthew, Chris Jones in there as well. I mean, they have the pieces. So I think this is the year where Baltimore shows improvement and continues their ascension to where they need to go to win a Super Bowl. But it's not the end of the world if they don't win it this year. So I'm going to say it's Kansas City. They've just proven that they are such a dominant football team. And, you know, look, I, there are situations where I see Baltimore winning the AFC. I'm not going to say there aren't. There are situations where I see Buffalo winning it as well. But running it through my mind right now, and this is subject to change, I guess a disclaimer, I see Kansas City still winning the AFC in a close AFC matchups all across. I think the top four, you know, the final four teams in my eyes will most likely be Buffalo, Cleveland, and Baltimore and Kansas City. And then from there, I mean, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, I agree. This is the first year that I actually feel like it could be any one of six teams because of just, I think there are six teams that are good enough to beat you on a weekend in the playoffs, in the right situation, and who knows? And it's hard to be number one, man. It's harder to be the champ yeah. than just trying to chase the champ. So very cool, Kevin. I really appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me, man. Before we get out of here, you got anything you need to shout out, anything you're working on? What's going on with you that you want to shout out? <laughs> well, I, if you want Ravens content, I am on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at chaosdirected 34 That's my personal account, the show handle is at Locked On Ravens if you want to check out any of my Ravens work. If, hey, the Ravens and the Bills meet in the playoffs, that is uh, ravenswire.com for that site. And then Locked On Ravens goes five days a week. You can get it any podcast provider, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. So if one day you wake up and you're saying, hey, what's Lamar Jackson up to today? You know, you can go and you can check out my work there. 
I love it. And that's the best way to push it. If you're looking for Ravens content because he's got a ton of it and it's good content and he's got a whole team of people over there at the Insider and things like that too. So it is good to check out what other teams are up to, especially when you're getting ready to play them, I think. So I, that's why I'm bringing all you guys on, right? I want to see what everybody else <laughs> thinks about this offseason and what's going on and who sits where and who's doing what, you know? So very cool. So like I said, Kevin, thanks a lot for joining me, man. It's super late for you there on the East Coast here. I'm on the West Coast. Um, everybody listening in, thanks for being here. You know, we wouldn't have a show if you weren't listening you know make sure you guys go ahead and check out kevin i'll have all this stuff in the notes for you guys to link up with him and check him out and then you guys can find me over at the buffalo nerd.com for everything that i'm up to all right we'll see you guys next week and just for kevin go bills you just listen to the buffalo nerd sports podcast make sure you leave a review and subscribe so you never miss another episode we'll see you next time Leg out.